F.K. Let's get our Bibles. Hold those Bibles up in the air. If you don't have one, there's one in your seat with you. Hold them up in the air, okay? And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to go today. Matthew chapter 8. I'm starting a new series. And uh, the series is, I'm trying to think of a right word or a right name, but it's, it's kind of entitled, uh, uh, How Did Jesus Respond? And um, there are basically four groups of people that I really want us to look at. And i got to find out, here it is, got it. Four groups of people that I want to look at, but I only have time for three. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that, because uh, uh, let, let me just give you a, a, a synopsis of, of the next couple weeks. We got about three weeks, and and where we're going to um, uh, focus on this thing, and then I'm going to be gone a week. Um, Polly and I are actually going to go to Turkey, and uh, we're going to be uh, going to the seven churches of the Book of Revelation. We're going to go to those sites, and uh, we got a deal beyond deal. Let me just tell you, uh, I think all of you would go if you got the deal that we got. And then we're going to come back, and our superintendent is going to be here, and also. Where's Ben? He's probably over there. I'm pretty sure we got the University of Finley coming, uh, where they're going to uh, uh, lead us in worship. For their worship band's going to come, and then uh, and then uh, then we're going to have baptism the next week. But we're going to be in we're going to be in Lent at that time. So, just give you a little synopsis of where we're going. Well, I want to talk about four things. How did Jesus respond to those who were physically ill? How did Jesus respond to those who are mentally ill? How did Jesus respond to those who are spiritually ill? And then the last one is, how does Jesus respond to, the, to those who are socially ill? And uh, we're not going to be able to get to, to the last one. I, we might do it after Easter. Okay. But I want to talk about those four things because that affects every one of us. Uh, for example... Who all knows somebody who is physically ill? Okay. Who all knows somebody who might be uh, mentally ill? Okay. I do too. Who all knows somebody that might be spiritually ill? Okay. Who all knows somebody that might be socially ill? Okay. And so they're there. Uh, we just don't like talking about it sometimes. And so we're going to be focusing on, on some of those things in the next couple weeks. Okay, so let's start out with this. Um, what I want to do is I want to examine how we should be responding to them as a Christian and as a Christian church. And if Jesus is our guide and Jesus is our example, let's well, just, just, just follow what he did. Very simple. There have been a lot of advances in the medical realm in the last 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. My grandfather died when I was 5 years old. He actually died at my house. Mom and Dad went down to a, 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 a Duroc Association meeting down in Indianapolis, Indiana. Anybody know what a Duroc is? Okay, what is a Duroc? It's a pig. It's the red ones. Okay. And we, my mom was, <laughs> I'm glad they changed the name. My mom was a porkette. That's what they called them, porkettes. They changed the name. 
Um, now it was the uh, pork producers auxiliary, I guess. I, got, I think they got tired of being called porkette. And so anyway, they went down, and I was five years old, and this is 1969. Yes, kids, I was alive back then. And they went down there, and Grandma and Grandpa, Grandpa who was born in 1899, Grandma was born in 1901, they came and they, uh, they babysat us. Now, I don't remember what happened uh, during that day. I, I really don't. But I do remember this, waking up the next morning, coming downstairs, and there was an ashtray there. And someone had been smoking in our house, cigarettes. Well, my dad smoked cigars, so I couldn't figure out what was going on. And mom and dad were there. Here, grandpa had a heart attack in the middle of the night. And in 1969, you couldn't do much with a heart attack. You basically sat and watched them and see if they lived. So grandma went over and she got a wet washcloth and she started dabbing my grandpa's face until he died. And I, and that's how I found out about it. Come downstairs, mom and dad's there. And I've, I've thought about it many times. With the advancement of the heart and everything else that we've got going on here, would grandpa have been alive had he been born 10 years later, 20 years later? It's hard telling. It depends on if, the, if the blood clot would all happen. But I think he would have at least lived a few more years. Give you an idea of Grandpa's age, he'd be 124 years old this year. Dad would be 83. You know, I, I think about it in regards to my wife. All of you know that she had a brain tumor 13 years ago. She had open, open heart, open brain surgery. She had brain surgery. The tumor was on her brain stem. Had we left it alone, she wouldn't be here today. If you've ever done uh, your genealogy and gone back, you see a lot of times that uh, a man would have been married to two wives in his lifetime, two or three wives. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that women are more prone to a lot more physical issues than men. I mean, you've got cancers that men don't get. You've got uh, birthing of a baby was huge. I found out my great-great-great-great-grandfather uh, was married to a, 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 a gal named Joanna Last name, of course, Dunton. And it gave the date of her death along with two twin girls. That, that hurts. See, I am so thankful I live in the time that I do. I really am. Most likely, even if you had appendicitis, some of you might have had appendicitis, you wouldn't be here today. I found out that the... I, I, I was really curious, so I said, when was the first Caesarean section ever done and they there's evidence of Caesarean births all the way back to the time of Caesar and they said there's a rumor that says his name was Caesar because of the Caesarean that's not true but it is said that he was a, a, a Caesarean birth man how many you don't have to answer but how many of you had a Caesarean anybody here Imagine having a cesarean without anesthesia. Because they didn't have that back then. Knock her on the head, knock her out, or something like that. See, there's so much that has happened. But even with everything that has happened, there is still the fact that we still get ill. Three weeks ago, I had the coronavirus again. 
two, uh, two or three years ago, I had the coronavirus. And I was, I was so sick during that. I understand when people say, Jesus, take me home. That's how sick it was. Do you know how I found out I had the coronavirus? Somebody in the church was kind enough when I got sick that they brought me a meal. And in it was an apple pie. And I think it was for Polly, but I ate it anyway. And guess what? I couldn't taste it. And I went, "Uh uh-oh. So one of you in the church is the one that let me know that I had the coronavirus. So illnesses have always been around. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 4, don't turn to that yet. But in Matthew chapter 4, illnesses were so prevalent that when Jesus got done with his uh, 40 days of fasting and being tempted by, by Satan, in Matthew chapter 4 it says, now he started his ministry, and it says he went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of God, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill of various diseases, those who were suffering pain, demon possession, Caesar. Caesar, seizures, not Caesar, seizures, um, uh, paralyzed, he healed them, it says he healed them, large crowds from Galilee, Decalopolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and all the regions of Jordan followed him, so if there's somebody who claims to have the gift of healing, guess what, people follow him, you don't believe me, turn on the TV, And you got these people who claim to have the gift of healing. And they will fill an entire stadium. And people won't look at what they're preaching at, won't look at their theology, won't look at anything else, but they look at the fact there's the potential that this person can heal me. I have a lot I can say about those guys. We know that medicines were back at the time of Jesus. It said that uh, people knew that if you lanced a uh, boil or drained the infected wound, it promoted healing. They also knew that uh, wild vinegar helped with uh, nausea. They also knew that, what is that, a particular clay in the land, on an island of Lemos uh, helped with dysentery. Lady Osea, the church, one of the churches of the book of Revelation, one of the reasons why they were so rich in Lady Osea is because they developed a, an eye salve that helped promote healing of eye infections. The common flu, common cold could be deadly at the time of Jesus, but there was nothing that was more fearful to them than leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease that was developed that came about by the Microbacterium leprea bacteria. We don't see leprosy much because we now are able to treat it. However, there are still leper colonies. When you got leprosy, you had to isolate yourself. There are still leper colonies even today. It is said that there are 750 leper colonies in India today with over 200,000 people. I do not understand that. If we have the medicines, why don't they, aren't they able to get it? The last leper colony in the United States was on Hawaiian island of Mokai, Molokoi. And it was called the Kapolapa Peninsula of the Hawaiian island. 
In the 1960s is when it, it finally uh, was uh, uh, closed. But these are some of the people who are on the leper colony. If you got leprosy, you, even at the time of Jesus, you, were, you became dead. Oh, you might have been physically alive, but you lost your family, you, you, you lost your job, you lost absolutely everything. Because what happened is, if you saw a, a little lesion on your skin, you were required to go to the priest. The priest would look at it and say if you were a leper or not. And if you were a leper, at that point, you were considered unclean, and you could no longer be in the general population. They gave you certain clothes you had to wear, which was essentially saying, leper, leper. And for him or her to come into this building, they would have to scream, leper, unclean. They have to scream it when they're walking. They were walking dead. Kind of reminds me of when, when I got the coronavirus. We were the first one in our neighborhood that got it. And all of a sudden the word just spread through our neighborhood. And we actually had somebody from across the street go, You guys got corona? Yes. Oh, okay, we'll stay away from you. How many remember that? I know a pastor who, somebody in their church, was the first one in the county, their county, to die of the virus. And, and I'm not bashing the medical system. Please understand me, because when corona started, we didn't know. Nobody knew. I mean, I, I felt for those medical people. I really did. If think about it, these nurses were going into a room that they didn't know if they were going to get it or not. And they still went in and helped. <laughs> and so, but because of that, when he died, he was all alone. And that's what happened with the leper. The only, the only type of social interaction you had as a leper was other lepers. And so Jesus starts healing and starts healing those around him. And of course, the idea of that, that whole idea um, that somebody can heal me, people are going to do weird things. If you're desperate enough, you'll do weird things. Here, let's go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 8. Okay, let's start. I want, I want to talk about this. Because now, four chapters later, uh, Jesus is, once again, he's doing his ministry. And it says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. As I said, if you're a miracle worker, people are going to look you up. And a man with leprosy came. This is important. I highlighted it. And I, I want you to, we're going to come back to this. This is important came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, that's important too. There's a false theology out there that says God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, and if, you are, if you're sick, there, you must have been doing some sin. Can you please explain that to me? Because if that's the case, if God wants everyone to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and never sick, why don't we have 150, 200, 300-year-old people in here? So, the man with property leprosy came. When people are des desperate, they will do desperate things. Um, who knows who this guy is? Us older people know. Sorry, you young one. Us older people. How many know who he is? His name is? It's Andy Kaufman. He played a character called Latka on a, uh, on a TV series called Taxi. 
He developed lung cancer. And he went and he did all these holistic things, and then on and on he did. And then eventually he knew he was going to die, so he flew to the Philippines. And in the Philippines, he went to a, psych, a, 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 a psychosurgeon. And what a psychosurgeon is, is he, he is supposed to be able to do surgery without cutting you open, and what, it's, it's a scam. And they'll take pieces of meat, and they'll bring it out of you, usually bacon or chicken necks or something like that is what they bring it out. And so, but he, what do I do? I'm going to die. So he went out there. He went. <clears throat> and there's a movie called Man on the Moon, on the Moon, talks about that. And the scene is, he's laying there, no hair, looks over, sees what they're doing, and he sees it as a scam, and he starts laughing. But he died of lung cancer a couple months after this. It kind of brings me to the first point I want to bring out. When you are sick, come to the Lord. The first thing that we normally do is we go to the doctor. And trust me, I'm not bashing that. Please, do not ever leave this sanctuary and said, Pastor Dutton said we should never go to the doctor. I never said that. God has given wisdom to doctors and nurses. He has. And that's why I'm glad I'm alive at the time of uh, history as I am. I'd be married to another woman right now. And it, that may have come out weird and wrong, but I, what I mean is she had an appendectomy when we first got married. That would have killed her. She had a brain surgery. That would have killed her. Okay. Come to Jesus. And that's an act of faith when you do that. When Polly, I still remember when Polly had her, uh, we finally found out it was, like, someday I might show you that, that MRI. I mean, it is there. Boom, you see your two big eyes, and then you see it right there. And there it is, on the brain stem. And um, uh, we didn't, uh, my associate let the church know because we were on vacation telling the kids what was going to happen. But the Sunday before uh, her surgery, we put a chair right in front of the podium and the entire church surrounded her and prayed for her. James chapter 5 says this. If any of you is suffering, he should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing songs of praise. Hear, hear this. I'm very serious about this one. If any of you is sick, he or she, he, that's an act of faith, you Call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The word the oil is actually twofold. Oil is medicine. But it's also a sign of the Holy Spirit. So people say, you know, hey pastor, will you go and anoint someone so with oil? They have not even done the first step. I'll pray for them. But it says, they are the ones that call. That's an act of faith. So a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, are you willing? Sometimes, and this is hard, I, 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 I don't understand the mind of God either. Why does God allow a child to get cancer? 
Why does God allow a young couple to get this, this, and this? I don't understand. I wish I knew. But are you willing, God? There's a misinterpretation of a passage in the book of Isaiah that says, By his stripes you will be healed. And people have taken that to say that God will heal every disease you have. Really? I was on a television show um, many, 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 many years ago. It was called Ask the Pastor out of Edgerton, Ohio. And I was on there and somebody actually wrote a letter asking a question. And pastors answered it. And the one was, I have been praying over and over and over again that God would heal me. What sin have I committed that has caused God not to heal me of my disease? And I was the first one. I said, you didn't commit any sin. There are times that God will say no. And I said, uh, in, in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's talking about this thorn in his side. He prayed and prayed and prayed, and God did not heal him of that. He said, my strength is sufficient for you. Well, I had a guy next to me that believed in that Isaiah, and he's going, I, I, I disagree with it. I disagree with it. Because, because by it stripes you'll be healed, and that's what, the, that's what the Bible said. By that, I was mad. And I tried to get the moderator to come back to me because all I was going to say was, what sin did he commit? He's got a cold. Uh, they never put me and him on the same program ever again. So, Okay. That's point one. If you're aware. Number two. Or, um, kind of brings me to the next point. How is my suffering, how can it honor God? Oh, that's My, uh, in the same time that my wife had a brain tumor, about a year before that, my sister-in-law died of breast cancer. In that period of time, my sister-in-law died of breast cancer. And then Polly was the next one with a brain tumor. And then the next year, we lost my dad. She lost her dad, and she lost her mom within a year. We were spinning. But the one thing that we really wanted to happen in the midst of our suffering was, how is this going to honor God? Her sister calls her up on the phone. Her sister had to take care of her mom and dad, so she couldn't come to the, to the Cleveland Clinic with us. And her sister, was it a note or just a phone call? And in it she said this, before you go in to the big barn doors, you know, and go into the surgery room, and before they put you under, just say one word, Jesus. Jesus. And I remember I was praying and 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 praying. And finally, you know, finally I felt the Holy Spirit said, you're done praying, you're done. And at that point, you know, the Bible talks about the groans that are lifted up on your behalf. I heard those groans. How is this going to honor God? 
Jesus stayed away from his friend Lazarus and his friend Lazarus died. And in John chapter 11, it literally says, let me get to it, John chapter 11, when you heard that he was sick, the sickness will not end in death. No, for his, um, it is so that God's glory and so the Son of Man might be glorified through it. It is so hard, so hard when you're going through it to say, God, how are you going to be honored through this? But point two is ask yourself, how can God be honored through this? Then, verse three, Jesus reached out and touched the man. Touched him. You remember when the virus happened, the coronavirus, everybody's staying away from each other. I mean, I mean, you start walking up to somebody and somebody starts doing this, you know. I think one of the things that we're going to really see is how that affected our young kids who weren't allowed to be touched and be touched and how the school system, you know, all that. I think we're going to see that eventually down the line. But those who are physically ill need to be touched. Jesus reached out and touched the man with leprosy. Can you imagine what the crowd said? He's got leprosy. Jesus, you can't do that. He did it anyway. The first AIDS patient that I ever dealt with, um, uh, his brother said, can you go see my brother? He's in the hospital. He's dying. He didn't tell me what it was. As soon as I walked into the room, I saw what he was. I said, he's got AIDS. I didn't ask him that, but I knew he had AIDS. He had sores all over his body. He was miserable and everything else. And that was the time when AIDS, we didn't know how it was transmitted. It had just started. And you, and you didn't touch him or anything else. And he said, I looked at him and said, would you like me to pray for you? Yes. I grabbed his hand and I prayed for him. Skin to skin. I figured, God, if I'm going to get it, it's up to you. But this guy needs to be ministered to. When people are sick, they need to be ministered to and they need to be touched. It doesn't mean that you grab them and break their bones and everything else and hug them. But I'm going to tell you, all you need to do is put your hand on their shoulder and touch them. When I was an EMT... And I would go into these houses and we're pumping on dad. We're pumping on husband. That heart's not working. We're pumping on him. Okay, we're going at it. And I look over there and there's the wife. She's standing here with her phone like this. She hasn't moved since she dialed 911. And I'm pumping on her and they're pumping on her. Whenever I had a chance, I would go up to her and all I did was put my hand on her shoulder and said, we're doing all we can. And she just melted at that point. That's all she needed. When people are sick, all they need is to be touched. Yes, the pastor does that. Yes, the elders do that. But you do it as well. When the pastor does that, well, that's his job. You know what? If I wasn't a pastor, I'd still do it. If you didn't pay me, I still would do it. But you are Christ's ambassadors, just not the pastor, just not the elders. You can encourage people. Send cards of encouragement, phone calls of prayer, gift cards for their expenses. My last church, I think they gave us what, either it was the one or three thousand dollars. They took up an offering, and I didn't realize all the expenses that were involved in staying at Cleveland Clinic for a week. Just the hotel room alone was over a thousand dollars, and it was a it was a terrible hotel room. Meals of encouragement, where you you can take them out or even just give them meals. Notice I said how I found out I had coronavirus because somebody in the church gave us a meal. Visits with physical touch and prayer. It is so important. 
grab their hand and say, I want to pray with you. It's the power of touch. Well, what if they don't need it? You call them up first. Can I come over? If they don't feel like feel good, they'll say no. There's many times I call people up and I say, hey, would you, can I come over? No, I just don't feel like, I said, can I pray for you over the phone? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I've even had people in the church here, hey, I understand at your hospital. Yeah, can I come and visit you? No, just stay away. I'm not going to be in and out. Okay, can I pray for you over the phone? Yeah. I was in the hospital. Uh, first time I ever stayed at night in the hospital was with you guys. I come here and you give me a heart attack. No, I'm just kidding. Okay? And I go and I'm doing that wonderful stress test. And I come back and Dave Stokes is in my room. The power of presence. Same thing when it comes to funerals. Just go there. You don't have to say anything. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to say that. You're just there. And they know it. Okay. Fourth point. <clears throat> We don't know why this guy had leprosy. We don't know how he got. But illnesses are the direct result of Adam and Eve's sin. Just because you're ill does not mean you sin. Did that make sense? There are illnesses out there that are a direct result of sin. Okay, if you're an alcoholic and you got a bad liver, guess what? Guess how it came about? Um, illnesses are just be, but, but just because you are ill does not mean you sin. You have sin. However that goes. But there are a lot of illnesses out there that are the direct result of sin. But just because you got it doesn't mean you sin. So I would say examine yourself in that. I um I put it in the notes, uh, your notes, and I, I, I didn't feel right about it, so I took it out. Um, but uh, part of it was on, um, on STDs. And, uh, and, and it was basically talking about how STDs are transmitted. And what it means is the, the amount of partners that you have multiply in the indirect What's that word? I'm indirect contact with others. Did I make sense? So the indirect, what it means is this. One partner, one partner, you've been, you've been connected to one person. Right? One partner, two, and let's say you have uh, somebody had two partners. Your indirect connection has now gone to 63. So it's saying if you have one partner and you, you have uh, relations with somebody that had two partners, you are indirectly having relations with 63 people and everything else that comes down the pipe with that. Nine partners, nine partners, it's over one million people. It's amazing. It's amazing. So you see the correlation. I wish, I don't know how, how it's taught in the schools, but I wish that was one thing that they did teach. See, when the church stands up, we're not standing up saying, hey, this is right or wrong just because we want to make your life miserable. We know the results of it. We know the results of it. And we're trying, especially with the young kids, we're trying to, so, so you can avoid some of the issues. Because we love you. 
and we want what's best for you. Okay, number five. Is there five? Yeah, why is it in my notes? Oh, here it is. Okay. So then what Jesus did, uh, I don't know, word for it. Jesus said to him, see, see, you don't tell anyone, you healed him, but now go show yourself to the priests. And offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So what Jesus is saying is, you think you're healed? Go to the doctor. It's not an act of faithlessness if you go to the doctor. It's getting confirmed. Every time in scriptures that I see that Jesus heals the leper, he says, go to the priest, go to the priest, go to the priest, go to the priest. And so what Jesus is saying is, is make sure it's confirmed. I mean, there's a difference between saying, I'm healed, <laughs> I'm healed, and you're dancing down, I'm healed in this great. How do you know you're healed? Just because I know. And there's something totally different about saying, I'm healed, how do you know? Because the doctor, I've got the evidence, and Jesus is the one that healed me. Which one has more power? Jesus. It's confirmed. <coughs> I, I, I've had people who were suffering from, I just want to say mental illness. And I looked at him and I said, go get confirmation. Get confirmation you have been healed. And so this person went from psychiatrist, 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 until they found one that said, yeah, you could be. Oh, I'm healed. No. Go to the doctor. Period. Get that confirmation. Period. Period. They pronounced you sick. Let them be the one that pronounced you cured. They pronounced you sick. Wouldn't that be great? Go to the doctor, the one that said, hey, guess what? You're the one that's sick. Oh, that's terrible. And then you go back to the doctor and say, I don't know what happened, but you're healed. It was Jesus that did it. How can it honor God? You believe in been healed? Get confirmation. Get confirmation. That's what Jesus said. Go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift of Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, we're stopping now. I'm going to ask you a question. In the midst of all of this, who is God bringing to your mind for you to touch? Who needs that touch? Who needs to be told, you know what, you're valuable? Let me touch you. Who's the one that needs to be, have prayer? And I'm just not talking about, hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. You pray for them in their presence. Touch them. Who needs that? Go do it. So what is Jesus saying to those who are physically ill? He's saying, you are loved. You have value. I'm going to touch you. I might heal you. I might not. But I will be with you through every step of the way. Let's pray.
Father, big teachings today, and I just pray that as you bring people to mind that need that touch from us, may it happen. May you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been closing off with a a song, uh, Death is Arrested, but we're changing it called the blessing and for the next month or so we're going to be closing this this will be our closing song on Sunday mornings the blessing and when we get all said and done and please 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 wait until they're done we do need this cleaned off one side and by the way worship is going to meet over there not there but please wait until the worship is done Um, I was at a worship conference one time, and at the end of the 